Hey gang, welcome to the Wealthy Healthy Life Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson. Here, we'll explore all the things from wellness to beauty to fashion. I'll be welcoming guests who are experts in their fields, sharing from my own experiences to bring you tangible advice and tips and tricks. I hope you stick along for the ride and enjoy the show. Today's episode is a little personal for me. As some of you may know and some of you may not, my husband was recently diagnosed with type 1 diabetes as an adult. And while I guess this is more common than I realized, I always kind of associated type 1 with more diagnosed at a young age, you know, like juvenile diabetes. So as you can imagine, it's, you know, been quite the roller coaster to try to figure this out and manage it and just, you know, highs and lows, literally and figuratively. So when Lauren Bongiorno of Risley Health agreed to come on the podcast and discuss her journey and her business, I was beyond thrilled. Lauren was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at age 7, and she's the founder and CEO of Risley Health, which is a leading virtual type 1 diabetic health coaching company. It's guided by a team of nationally board-certified coaches who live with type 1 diabetes. Risley elevates beyond the traditional standard of diabetes care through innovative coaching programs and communities that empower type 1 diabetic individuals and families to live with more freedom and confidence. As of 2023... Lauren and the Risley team have coached over 600 people, and Georgetown Medical School is publishing a study on the quantitative and qualitative results clients are seeing in their programs. Lauren herself has been featured on the Today Show and has partnered with renowned brands such as Omnipod, Dexcom, Abbott, Lululemon, and Nike. If you want to connect more with her, you can find her on various social media platforms, which I will link in the show notes. And Lauren has her own podcast called Reclaim Your Rise that you can also find anywhere you listen to podcasts. So I hope you guys will give this a listen. Even if you're not a type 1 diabetic, there's a lot of good information in there around diabetes in general. We talk about the differences between type 1 and type 2. We talk about some of the struggles with having diabetes in general, we talk about ways to be supportive, like as a spouse or a parent or a friend, if someone you love has diabetes. But I think that that could be applicable to other disease states as well, right? Um, so yeah, even if you're not type 1 diabetic, I think you can find something in this episode that's very empowering and very um, uplifting. So without further ado, we will welcome Lauren to the show. All right. Well, welcome, Lauren, to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me on, and I'm looking forward to chatting. Yes, I um, I had shared with Lauren right before we started recording that, you know, I have a vested interest in today's topic. Lauren is the founder of Team Risley, Risley Health, and she is a type 1 diabetic. And 
some of my listeners may know and some may not, but my husband was recently diagnosed as an adult with type one diabetes. And, um, it's, it's really been quite the whirlwind to, to take on something completely different than what he's been used to, um, for most of his life. And so selfishly, I have an interest in, um, in, speaking with Lauren about her journey with type one and just what her company does and the resources they provide for people. But I thought to get started, Lauren, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing, you know, I know you were diagnosed at a younger age, but kind of, kind of that journey that you've been on um, with type one diabetes and, and developing your company, Risley Health. Absolutely. So you know, I was diagnosed, not like your husband. Um, I was diagnosed at seven years old. And so I've been living with type one for a little over 23 years now. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what type one diabetes is, um, it is something that is, you know, your body attacks itself. There's nothing you do to directly cause it. Um, and your pancreas struggles to make insulin and then eventually stops making insulin altogether. And that's the hormone that balances your blood sugar. So when you eat something, um, that is, you know, you need insulin, but then just going through your everyday life, you need insulin to keep your blood sugar levels steady. So without that, you know, you, you die. Um, and so when I was seven <laughs> years old, I was diagnosed and my parents, they just were like, what, like, you know, you, you want a healthy child. That's like what you want. And for seven years I was that. And then all of a sudden it just, you know, comes out of essentially nowhere and you have to live to learn, like learn to live this brand new life. It's like having a newborn again. Um, and I grew up great healthcare, like grew up in New York on Long Island, was very, very fortunate to have access to insulin, to have good, you know, insurance coverage where I had an endocrinologist that was really supportive. And at the same time, I struggled. Um, what's interesting though, is that technology has come so far in the last 23 years. And yet that is not the thing that solves the problems that people have on an everyday basis with their diabetes. And the things that I was struggling with a lot were things like relationship to food and relationship to identity of living with type 1 diabetes, right? Like, what does that mean mm -hmm. for me as a child, then a teenager, then a young adult, and, you know, getting married or thinking about pregnancy and how that affects it, right? So, you know, there's all these, a lot of like mindset and emotional challenges that come up. And then there's also the very practical things of just, everything under the sun. There's over 50 different factors that impact your blood sugar at a given time from hormones to exercise to time of day it is to how much sleep you got the night before. And you're essentially, you know, managing everything and, and trying to figure out how much insulin to give yourself to stay in range. So um, that's a little bit about my, my journey with, with type 1 diabetes specifically and how it kind of led into Risley is um, what we found, and I'll share like where we are today and how we've, you know, gotten here, but we've coached over 800 people and, uh, with type one diabetes and then families with, with kids that have type one, we have 10 coaches on our team. Everyone lives with type one diabetes. And, um, what we have found is that most people living with type one are feeling either lost or stuck in a cycle of frustration. Mm -hmm. And that is a product of a healthcare system, not having enough time, energy resources to give us what we really need. And also the fact that the healthcare system is a very siloed approach, right? So you have your dietitian over here and the psychologist on mental health over here and then your endocrinologist over here and then the tech insulin pump trainer over here, right? And it's so separated, but we are one whole person and we need to be treated like that. So really our transformational model for coaching and education is leading a movement to redefine type 1 diabetes so that people can get, you know, 
really to the place of reclaiming the life that they they deserve. So um, this started off as a personal pain point for me in recognizing this, realizing, hey, back in 2014-ish, there's not a coaching space for this. I want to create it. I see the future of diabetes healthcare, including coaching. And then that's where we are today. I love that for a lot of reasons. Um, one, I, I find that people like yourself that kind of have, it's a personal issue. It's something that you've actually gone through yourselves always lends itself to companies like yours, you know, being successful because you can absolutely relate to the patient or the person that you're trying to help. Right. So you've literally been in their shoes. Um, Also to your point, I feel like, you know, like I said, my husband was diagnosed as an adult. And one of the things that was surprising to me as I attended these doctor's appointments with him is the lack of education and support that was given to somebody that literally now went is going from, you know, not having to do anything as far as managing diabetes to, oh, hey, um, here's some insulin. This is long acting. This is short acting. Here's something to measure your blood sugar and basically figure it out. And it, it was really just kind of wild to me that there was such a lack of support. And, and that might be for a whole host of reasons. One, there the endo that we see, you know, he sees this every day, the, you know, this isn't anything new to him. It also might just be they're busy. And I think that as a society, we focused more on type two, which is more prevalent than type one. But um, yeah, I just think the work that you're doing to combine it all is, is really fantastic. And I would like to spend a little bit of time, if you don't mind, kind of helping the audience understand some of the differences between type one and type two, because I know mm-hmm. that initially people are always like, oh, isn't that something like if he cleans up his diet, or you clean up your diet or you work out more, you know, you can fix that. And I'm like, no, that you can't fix that with type one, you know. Great point. And, you know, half of America is either pre-diabetic or type two diabetic. And that has to do a little bit more with genetics and not even a little bit more, but it has to do with genetics and lifestyle factors. Like, diet, sleep, stress, nutrition, um, and it's something that generally happens over a slower period of time. So your A1C, once it starts, your A1C is a test essentially of like an average of how much sugar has been in your blood for the past three months. And so when you go to your doctor, um, they may, or you have to request it, but usually they'll run that as well for a panel. And if it starts creeping up beyond like a 5.4, so like 5.5, 5.6, 5.7, 5.8 goes up into the sixes, right? You're going to go pre-diabetic first and they're going to say, Hey, you better kind of rein it in a little bit. And then if you don't, you'll become, you know, a type type two, but it is something that is, you know, if you work on your lifestyle, if you work on your, you know, all the factors that are influencing your blood sugar, you can more easily lower your A1C. Um, And it's not as, you know, detrimental because your body is still making insulin. It's just your body is having a harder time using it because of a lot of the fat stores and other elements. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've learned that, but like I said, I think there's still got diabetes in general just gets lumped into one, you know, kind of diagnosis. And so a lot of times people do think, well, couldn't mm-hmm. he just eat better or whatever? And and my husband, you know, wasn't like an, you wouldn't have looked at him and thought he would be diabetic. And even when he initially went to the, and I'd be interested in your take on this as far as adults starting to be more diagnosed with type one. Cause I know like growing up, I always heard of juvenile diabetes, you know, yeah. like that it was something, if you had type one, you were going to get diagnosed early on, but his physician shared with him, they are starting to see more of this late, you know, onset diabetes with, 
with um, adults and, you know, he's calling it kind of like a type one and a half, but essentially, you know, uh, I do, I wonder if that's something that you guys are seeing with your coaching program are more people as adults coming to you and being, you know, diagnosed later in life. Right. It's a great question, Nicole. And to be honest, in my research and also personal experience, because I I diagnosed my dad uh, last year with type 1 diabetes Mm -hmm. and after several years of the doctors diagnosing him as type 2. So my take on it is that it's not necessarily that more people suddenly are getting diagnosed in adulthood as much as it is it was missed by the healthcare system for so long. And a lot of people who are type 1 are misdiagnosed as type 2 because what you're describing is it's called type one LADA, um, Mm -hmm. latent onset diabetes in adults is what it stands for. And it's a way slower, more, it's a slower progression of your seat, like your, your, your cells, your islet cells in your body, like not being able to produce insulin anymore. So when you're a kid, like for me at seven years old, I went from probably like, you know, in a two week period, three week period, maybe a month tops, I went from like getting diagnosed to like your body does not produce insulin anymore to a lot of adults who have type 1.5 or LADA, they are seeing, you know, it could be one, two, three, four, five, eight years before they actually like are completely not making insulin anymore. So it kind of presents itself all to okay. say as a little bit of like a pre-diabetic type one. It's like a- Yeah, uh, that or, makes yeah, sense. Um, okay. That, that makes sense because when he initially went to the, the physician, they also were like, well, this is probably type two. You know, mm-hmm. and and then yeah. they referred, and so his primary care doctor did some testing, and then referred. He's like, mm, I don't know, so he sent him to an endo, and even the endo was like, this is probably type two, but then they did some of the genetic testing, and you can probably speak to this more mm-hmm. so than I can, but whatever the protein or the that, that you antibodies, the, yeah. yeah, the antibodies that you have, and he tested positive for that, um, and then that's when they're like, no, actually, it is type one. So to your point, I can see how. People might go on for for years not being diagnosed, you know, correctly as far as the type of diabetes that they actually have. Well, I think even, you know, broadly speaking and beyond type one, there's an importance, an important piece to advocating for yourself, right? Because we, I think in our society, a lot of us look to the doctors for answers and are like, you tell me what's wrong with my body. And at the same time, we have this intuition that we have to learn to listen to because it's not that the doctors are are missing it and it's just all their fault. It's it's also they might not be specialized in what you are coming and presenting with. And so advocating for yourself, being like, hey, like this and what you're telling me like doesn't make sense. And I just feel like it might be something else. Can you refer me to another specialist or is there anybody else? Like we have to advocate for ourselves. And I think, you know, taking ownership of your health is definitely a big theme that we, we communicate to our community. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And I think, you know, diabetes aside in general, that people, we need to do a better job as society to advocate for ourselves in general, like whatever that is. But if you know instinctively that something feels off for you and you're not getting, you know, the answers that you need, like keep pushing um, until you do. Um, I love one of the things you said early on about the coaching program that you offer. And that was kind of like the mental side of it, because speaking, you know, firsthand with my husband, he said, he made a comment to me recently and he said, you know, I just, I look at these numbers every day, multiple times a day, right? He's looking at his, he's looking at to see where his blood sugar is. And he's like, and I just feel like I'm a failure. I mean, that's what, you know, he feels like 
even if he's doing all the right things, sometimes you don't have control over what the blood sugar ends up saying. And some days it's great and some days it's not. And I think mentally that's got to be wearing. I can't speak to it firsthand because it's not me that's going through it. But um, I imagine that any kind of support, you know, that you guys are providing from a mindset standpoint has got to be a big part of the picture. And I think that that's probably missing from the physician side of things in general. Well, that and, and the way that your husband is experiencing it is what most people with diabetes experience and what we're supporting people in. Because what we see really is there's the the mental piece can come from many different root problems and it's important to identify the root problem. One root problem can come from if your blood sugars are roller coastering and your blood sugars are high and they're low and they're all over the place, like, and you don't know how to solve that problem or you're constantly feeling like, I don't know what else I can be doing or like what I'm doing wrong, then that gap really for you is a lot of education, knowing your body's patterns, a lot of newly diagnosed people, like the first five, even 10 years of having diabetes, like we see a block, you know, for this mainly. Um, and then it's like, okay, let's work to help you understand your patterns and fill the education gaps around hormones and insulin sensitivity and nutrition and all that. Then on the other hand, there's, you know, root blocks for when people are burnt out. If they're perfectionist, if somebody is, you know, getting diagnosed and they have their standard of like, I don't want to go over 120 because that's what a person without diabetes that like that standard is, you're setting yourself up for like a very just unattainable, like, yeah, like vision or life of like, that's going to be impossible to hit and you're always going to feel let down. So then our work with them may be around kind of like shifting that mindset and how are we letting go a little bit? Like, how are we not just eating at home, eating salads all the time? How are we going out with our friends, eating pizza, going to brunch and saying yes, and not just being like, oh, I'll catch up with you guys, you know, after you guys can go eat if they're going with their friends. So those are just two examples, but the root of the burnout or the mental load mm -hmm. is different for everybody. And a lot of times, you know, it's even just helping people understand what that route is. And then also what is the step to move them forward in the right direction of not feeling that way? Right. No, I love that. Cause I do think that's, you know, it's not something that, you know, food we have to have to live. Right. So it's not mm -hmm. something that you can be like, well, I don't have to think about this right now. You literally right. are thinking about it, you know, very consistently day in and day out. So if you can adapt your mindset or even just be aware to your point of what is that root cause so that when I kind of hit that roadblock, I can bring myself back, you know, like maybe I'm having a bad day, but I know, you know, that I've, I've, I'm, I'm working on this. I'm addressing it and moving forward, you know, hopefully it gets better. Um, I would love to talk about, you know, just in general, kind of some tips for managing blood sugar. Um, I know one of the interesting things around it too is like, you think, oh, exercise, that would be great. And I'm not saying it's not, but can you kind of speak to like, even, even just exercise as a type one diabetic, like it has impacts, you know, on your blood sugar that I think a normal person would think, oh, well, that's got to be good. But initially it can kind of is it raise it or lower it? You know, like you have to even take things like that into consideration on a daily basis when managing your blood sugar. Absolutely. So the few things I would say about exercise, the first one is, is that there has to be a trade-off with diabetes. I actually want to do a solo podcast episode about this um, on my show, but I was thinking about this the other day that oh, there, there, there's always a trade-off in something. So if you want to live your life with no constraints and travel and drink and eat and like exist as if you didn't have diabetes, right? The trade-off is 
you're going, yes, you have that perceived freedom, but you're going to feel absolutely horrible and you're going to put yourself at risk for complications, right? Like that's the trade-off piece. Um, on the other hand, the trade-off of being perfect with your, with exercise and all of those things is that you're missing out on life, right? Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to find this middle ground of how do I adjust certain things in my life to make diabetes easier and my blood sugars and one of those things is exercise and movement. Like you cannot, I truly believe this, like it is very challenging to be a person with diabetes that has more in range numbers without movement and exercise being a regular part of your routine. Now at the same time, the challenge is, is that when you have type one diabetes, you are managing your insulin and your food and trying to manipulate based on what you think your blood sugar is going to do in a workout. So oftentimes, like for instance, I was a division one athlete in college. I played soccer in North Carolina. And back then I had no idea what I was doing with my blood sugars. And I was just kind of like an average, let's say type one without a ton of you know, what I know now. And I would just go into a practice and my blood sugar would shoot up to 300, which for anyone listening, the goal is to be for a type one diabetic, like 80 to 180. So 300 is very, very high. So I'd shoot up to 300. Then I'd be like, oh shoot, need to give myself insulin. Then I would give myself insulin, go back on the field. Then because I'm moving my body and I have all this insulin on board, I would plummet down. Now I'm chugging juice, right? So it's just, it almost as a person who is, gets frustrated very easily. Like not saying that's me, but like I can see for people who are just like, what's even the point of working out if I'm going to go through all of that challenge? Mm -hmm. So what we do, you know, at Risely is helping a lot of people understand their patterns so that they're staying stable in exercise because it is so great. Um, when you exercise, you're increasing your insulin sensitivity. This is for people without diabetes, you know, as well. Your body is just able to take the sugar out of your blood faster. Um, and it's just not even just cardio, but strength training is incredible for increasing your insulin sensitivity. So doing a hybrid mix of like cardio, strength training, either even like low intensity exercise, just like walking, um, mm -hmm. especially after a meal is is huge. Um, okay. No, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And it's kind of something if you don't have to deal with that on a daily basis, right, you're, you kind of take for granted just not even having to think about that, not even having to worry about it. Um, and side note, my husband played college soccer as well. So I think that probably, you know, awesome. being an athlete his entire life is part of the, is a good thing, but it's also part of the problem because he has this mindset of wanting to win. And I'm like, I don't know that you're going to win, you know, you can, I think he can, obviously can do a better job, but like in his mind, he keeps looking at the numbers and sees himself as a failure. And he's like, if you just tell me what to do and then I go out and do it, I want to know what the results would be. And I'm like, that's not how this works. You know, like this isn't a soccer game. This isn't, you know, mm -hmm. something that if you execute perfectly, you're going to always end up with the same result, you know? There's a coach on our team, um, Coach Abby, and actually Coach Neil just made an Instagram about the same thing, um, but she always says, diabetes is not a math problem to be solved. So it definitely sounds like if he is newly diagnosed your husband, like I would be so curious to like know more about like how often he's going low, how often he's going mm -hmm. high, but um, at Risely, we try to get everybody up to 80% fine tuning, 20% acceptance. What does that mean? Most people are oper operating between like 30 and 50% fine tuning, meaning there is room to get up to 80% so that you are way more times than not 80% of the time, eight out of, out of 10 workouts, you are not going low. You are not going high. You are staying stable. And like, that is a hundred percent possible. Like 
from just my experience, 15 years, the first 15 years of diabetes, I was a super active kid. I was probably going high and low, high or low every single time that I played soccer or, you know, played tennis, whatever it was. Now I can't probably, it's been two months since I went low or high from a workout and I work out six days a week. So it is possible, Mm -hmm. but then there's the 20% of the time, which is acceptance where you diabetes is going to diabetes sometimes, right? And you're not going to see something coming and you're just, you're going to go in for that 7am workout class and they're going to be like, Hey, like it's no longer kickboxing. We're doing, you know, I don't know, boot camp, And it's like, you're like, Oh, I just gave my insulin or I did something to right? It's not going to be perfect every time, but there is a way to get it to be that it is more predictable 80% of the time than not. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, and I'm definitely, you know, the wheels are turning. I'm like, I think I really believe my husband could benefit from y'all's program it's, it, at yeah. least for a while, right? Like to get this under an understanding of, of, to your point, like for sure, a little more predictability, knowing that nothing's going to be, you know, a hundred percent. Um, okay. I've talked about him a lot, but I want to focus too on <laughs> women, you know, because I wonder as, as you know, you are a woman with type one diabetes, you brought this up earlier, like hormones, I would imagine can impact blood sugar. Is that like a whole nother layer for women considering our hormones change way more than a man's, you know? Yes. So diabetes is type one diabetes is 10 times harder for somebody who has a menstrual cycle than somebody who doesn't. So you hit the nail on the head, women with type one diabetes, there's a reason why we have a group coaching program that is just for women. Um, and it's because the hormones play such a huge role. So you're in, um, men, their hormones are doing the same thing 24 hours and then it just resets, right? So they're having their same kind of cortisol peak, you know, um, uh, they're, not even just cortisol. I don't want to say cortisol, like testosterone, I should say, Mm -hmm. um, versus estrogen and progesterone in women that's going over a 20, you know, depending on your body, 25, 24 to 36 ish day cycle. And so it's creeping up, creeping up, creeping, creeping up, and then declining, 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 declining. And depending on where that is, your insulin resistance and sensitivity is going to be different on day 17 of your cycle compared to day you know, five compared to day one compared to day 24. Like, so you're constantly having to adapt and hormones are tricky because you can't see it, right? Like you can't, you can see like, okay, I exercise today and I'm going to need less insulin versus when I'm sitting on the couch because it's raining. Yes. That the day before, whatever it was versus hormones. If you're not having that understanding about your, your hormone, hormonal cycle for your body specifically. And then also for just like generally, you know, like the biology that's happening, then you are not, you're going to feel very lost and you're going to feel like, I don't know why one week diabetes is so easy. And then the next week I feel like I can't do this at all. Right. No, that makes sense. I think it's great that you have a program geared toward that specifically. Cause even just as a woman without diabetes, depending on where you're at in your cycle, you feel more energetic or you feel more lethargic mm-hmm. or you crave certain foods or, you know, and right. so I can only imagine, you know, that being a whole added layer. And you know, what's the tricky part, Nicole, which I always like laugh at how ironic this is, but the toughest times as a female to manage your blood sugars are when your progesterone is the highest, which is in your luteal phase, which is, you know, 
10 days out from when you get your period, um, kind of days like 17, 18 through the rest, like the end of the cycle before you get your period. And that is when your body is craving the most, like, that's when you're like, give me the chocolate. I want the yeah. carbier foods. Like I'm hungry every hour. And so it, it's like almost you wish that it's it was backwards. It's like when progesterone's the highest, like you didn't have those things because then you feel a lot of guilt when you're like, I don't want the fish and the broccoli for dinner. I want like the pasta and it's just harder to manage your numbers. However, just like knowing that and having that knowledge is such a like an unlock for people because it's like, okay, I understand why I'm craving this and it's mm-hmm. not that I don't have self-control. And so let me try to add more carbs into my diet um, during this time proactively. So I'm not just like eating regularly throughout the day and then 8 p.m. hits and I'm just like, I want to eat everything. Yeah, no, I think that you brought up a great point. Sometimes it's just the knowledge of the why behind Mm -hmm. something and that alone is enough to make it more tolerable and you get to decide what you do with that, right? Like, am I going to succumb to it or add in more carbs, like you said, or push through or whatever it is, but just the knowing behind something I think can really be powerful for people. For sure. Um, okay. I know that you have worked with, I I would just get your curious to get your take on some of the like CGMs out there, ways to manage, you know, I guess not manage, but like some of the tools out there to help someone with type one diabetic uh, being type one diabetic. I know that, you know, uh, always you're going to have something that you're monitoring your blood sugar with, and you're always going to be having insulin. But I know that, you know, you could be injecting, you could have a pump, you could be mm-hmm. pricking your finger, but would you be willing to share kind of some of the things that you've maybe tried in your personal experience with what has worked best for you and maybe what you see working best, I, I realizing everybody's different, but in general, you know, things, Absolutely. technology has changed a lot with that. Yes. And I want to say too, I know I talked about this in the beginning, like technology has advanced and it has made life with diabetes in so many ways easier and yet people are still struggling, but they would be even struggling more if they had like what I had 23 years ago, right. which was not a I lot can of only access imagine. to, you know, good tech. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I was pricking my finger with a needle 10 times a day for the first, I don't know, 15 years of living with diabetes, 10, 15 years. And to the point where like my fingers, like I could probably put them on like a stove and they wouldn't burn because it was so like just uh, calloused on all of them. Um, but all to say that's something that like CGMs are not affordable for everybody. So there is a lot, there are a lot of people who have to still do that. Um, but, you know, the two CGMs out there are either the Abbott uh, Freestyle Libre or the Dexcom. Right now, the newest one is the G7. And a lot more people go on the Freestyle Libre who are type 2 and pre-diabetic and a lot more type 1s. Um, I don't, don't want to say a lot more, but yeah, I would say there are more type 1s using the um, Dexcom CGM than, than the Abbott one. And that's connecting to an app on your phone where through Bluetooth, it's reading your blood sugars and constantly showing you know what your, what your blood sugars are doing. And then from there, you have – there's about – I would say like four main types of insulin pumps. Omnipod is the one that I'm on. The – uh, that one is tubeless. So you carry like a PDM around and then you have your, you know, it on your body and that has three days of insulin in it. Then second, you have the tandem pump, which is, I would say the leading 
wired pump where Mm -hmm. it's just, it's connected through a wire to like the small port on your body. So, um, that you change out, you know, every couple of days as well. And then followed by Medtronic, which is another, you know, um, wired insulin pump, but they also have a multiple daily injection. So if you're not on a pump, you're going to take injections. They have an injection that is called the InPen, which is so great because it has features like a pump where when you give insulin, it connects to your phone and it'll like it's not just like you filling up a syringe and giving yourself insulin and being like, ah, I forgot if I gave my insulin shot for lunch, like it tracks it. So it's a smart pen. Um, and then the last one is the um, newest pump, which is called the eyelet pump. And the eyelet pump is really innovative in the sense that you're not putting into it how many carbs you're eating. You're not putting into it like when you're, you know, what your blood sugar is. It's basically it's tracking your blood sugar, but you're just putting in the size of the meal that you're having. You're saying like, all I'm eating is it's not 30 carbs. It's a light, a light meal, or you're having a medium meal, or you're having a heavy meal. And you can't get the level of fine tuning with the eyelet pump that you do with an Omnipod or a Tandem or a Medtronic. However, this is really, really great for people who, in my opinion, are struggling with eating disorders, which is, I believe the stat is that two Point four, two point five people with diabetes are 2.5 times more likely to struggle with eating disorders, both men and women, than people without diabetes. And so counting carbs can be really triggering for people who, for somebody who's healing on that journey. And I think that pump can be a great option for, for that, those type of people. Wow. I had, okay. So one, thank you for going over all that. Um, and, I, and I'm happy to hear that there are, you know, options out there and that technology is to your point. I mean, I can't imagine being a child or the parent to a child and being like, we have to prick your finger 10 times a day, you know, like the stress that, that, you know, probably puts on the child, but also just the parent as a, as a mom of three children, if I were having to go through that with my child, I know that would just be stressful um, in and of itself. Yeah. But I had no idea about the eating disorder stat. But when you said that, I'm like, that kind of makes sense because I would imagine that when you have to focus on food so much and you're trying to, if you are inclined to try to be more disciplined in an effort to try to regulate your blood sugar, it could lend itself to getting, to throwing yourself into the other, you know, like, overly disciplined, overly focused on it, trying to make sure that you're only eating clean, only, you know, I guess just, I wouldn't have thought of that, but when you say it, it makes total sense. Absolutely. And two, like a lot of eating disorders come out of control, right? And somebody feeling lack of control in one area and not happy in one area of their life. And then um, diabetes can also be a trigger for that, right? Like Mm -hmm. shame around your body. And when you start taking insulin, a lot of people, because you lose weight, not everybody, but a lot of people will lose weight Mm -hmm. before their diagnosis. And then you start on insulin and then your body's changing. Um, I haven't been pregnant yet. Hopefully will be, you know, one day, but I imagine it's similar to that where it's like your body's changing and it doesn't feel like yours anymore. You can't like slow it down or stop it except for pregnancy. That's like very well known and some, you know, millions of people have experienced that and you know that that's what's supposed to happen versus when it's happening to your body, you're like, wait a second, like my body is fluctuating so much and just making peace with that can be hard. Yeah. No, that makes, that makes total sense. And pregnancy on the flip side, people are like, oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. You know, like it's a joyous thing where I do think that, um, di- like having diabetes in some ways, people still carry shame around that. Like it's their fault or something, or they should be embarrassed about it. And that's not the case, you know? Absolutely. So, 
Mm-hmm. I would love um, to hear any thoughts or feedback on, as someone who has type 1 diabetes, what would you be looking for from your partner, from your friend? Your parents obviously were a big support system to you, but like, how could someone that is partnered with someone, whether it's their child, their spouse, whoever, like, what are things that I could do or whoever could do to be more supportive or more understanding of the person in their life that has type one diabetes? So something I love that I heard recently would be to actually, this is kind of like, I've heard it a few different ways, but I I would love to pass this on is to create some kind of code word in your relationship. Um, And the code word really just like signifies a like, I'm high or I'm low or I'm coming down from high, I'm coming down from low. Like I just need a second. It's so hard when you have type one diabetes to communicate because you literally are just, you turn into like an angry, a lot of people do like, just like you're very irrational. You're very snippy. You get very, just like, you're not yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, It happens more to people when they're high versus when they're low, you're very kind of more like disoriented. Um, But I would say for like relationship purposes, like if my husband, for instance, if my blood sugar is high right now and he were to come in and being like, Hey, like, did you do my laundry? Like, instead of being like, you know, normally, oh, you know, I um, actually, I didn't get to it yet, but I'm going to do it later. Like, don't worry. Like I'm, I have it. I'm going to put it in the load or whatever. Like, I would just be like, well, why can't you do it yourself? Like, I don't understand. Right. Like I would just probably say something that I would regret. So instead kind of like having a code word that can just be like, can we talk about this later? Elephant. Right. And then right. like, he would know, okay, like her blood sugar is high. It's hard for her to communicate that, but like, that's like a good communication tool. Um, and then I would say like, just recognition. I think something that really can help with relationships if one of the partners is a type one is just the other person acknowledging. It could be once a week. It could be once a month. Sometimes it could be like once a year, right? But just saying like, you know what, babe, I know you're doing a lot to keep yourself alive and that must be so challenging for you to count all these carbs and change your pump sites and remember to give insulin and also show up as a great dad or a great mom or a great sister, whoever. And just that acknowledgement alone really just makes us feel seen and supported in a way that, you know, goes even beyond words that I can express. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I love that. I love the code word thing because it kind of gives you the ability to say like, not right now, but not having to get fully get into it, you know, but like, hey, just Mm -hmm. understand I'm not in the best, you know, space to respond rationally, maybe, you know, to you right now. And then also I agree with the recognition because even myself, like, I feel like I'm a a fairly disciplined person. So sometimes I want to say to my husband, like, just this is what you have to do. Just do it. And it's not that easy, you know, and that's not fair. And I'm not the one that has to look at the numbers or, you know, stick myself or whatever it is, you know, day in and day out over and over again. And I think sometimes just saying, hey, you're doing your best. You're doing a good job um, really does go a long way. Yeah. And I think too, in a relationship where somebody is a type one, understanding love language becomes even more important, right? Because if you're a words of affirmation person, you as the partner can make sure that you're giving them, hey, you know, pat on the back. Wow, you're doing a lot or your blood sugar was high, you know, all night. You must not feel great. Like, I just want to let you know I'm proud of you, right? right? Or if you're an acts of service person and that's how you receive your love, then you as the partner can say, hey, babe, I, I hear you're alarm going off and you're low, do you want me to get you some orange juice, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to feel really supported in that moment. And so I think love language as 
a T1D in a relationship can be a great tool to really support communication and um, support. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Yeah, I love that. Um, Okay, well, I would love to dive in a little more. We've talked about, obviously, you know, your coaching program throughout the conversation thus far, but I'd love to dive into that a little bit more like just you said most of the coaches or maybe all the coaches are type one diabetics, but what kind of resources, if someone is listening to this and like, I really think I could benefit from this, what are some of the options they would have to work with you guys? Absolutely. So, um, this is once again, like we have so many different resources from free to more premium, um, experiences for coaching. So it's really kind of, I would say like follow the Risely health page on Instagram, follow me, um, and just learn more and see, you know, if a lot of the things that we're putting out is, is, you know, resonating with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, go on to the Risely health website or the link in my bio and you can apply for coaching. Um, we have one-on-one coaching programs for parents of T1D kids, women, men, and then we have a group coaching program. It's called the Decide and Conquer Bootcamp, where it's group coaching for women with type 1 diabetes. Um, but regardless, like after you apply, our team will invite you on to an enrollment call after looking at your application and if we think we can support you. And then on that enrollment call, the purpose is really to just be like go through the challenges, what roadblocks are you having, what kind of support, you know, do you need? What have you already tried that hasn't worked? And then from there, you know, talking about if group or one-on-one would be a better fit and pairing you up with a coach that's going to match, you know, your energy and match your learning style. Um, We have, you know, a whole range of of coaches on our team with different backgrounds and experiences from dietitians to, um, I mentioned coach Neil, like he was diagnosed, um, he was in the air force for four years and I think 11 months and was honorably discharged because he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So, um, you know, people who are very like, you know, I feel like I was diagnosed as an adult and my everything through this off, like really resonate with him and they want to work with him compared to, you know, another coach on our team who's maybe like a a stay at home mom or, you know, a mom parent must or like, you know, just as to give a different example. Yeah. That makes sense because so much of anything like that is about how you respond to the person that's giving you the coaching. Right. And so if you feel like you can relate to them because to your point, you're a stay at home mom as well, or you are a very you know disciplined overachieving personality type, like it helps to have somebody. I feel like that has some similarities providing you the coaching. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. Um, I would love to, to like share with everyone too. You also have a podcast that's focused a lot on type one diabetes. And so what is the the name of the podcast and kind of what so my podcast is Reclaim Your Rise. And the theme of the podcast really is about how rise often in type one diabetes is seen as a negative thing, right? Like blood sugars rising and CGM arrows that are reading your blood sugars rising, A1C, all of it. Um, but really it's about rise in a good sense of there are so many challenges on a daily basis that we face. And so how do we as type ones rise above it and overcome our limitations and our blocks to reclaim the life that we deserve? Yeah. I love that. I love that. And, um, I think I, I looked at the podcast and listened to some as well. And I think there's something, you know, there for a lot of like dependent upon where you are in your diabetic journey, there's so many good guests on there also yourself just providing you know informational uh, resources and things that people can relate to and like I said I really feel like this is a space and, and also it's not I, I'm, I'm new to the space as well but like I did you just don't see a lot of support 
for type one in general out there. So it's so kind of refreshing to see someone that from a need of their own, you know, has created this for other people. I would imagine you said you started the business in around uh, 2014. So we launched Risely two years ago in 2021. Okay. Um, for years prior, I was coaching and just building, you know, yes. my methodology and how we do things, um, you know, before I realized that this was way bigger than myself and that we want to shake up the healthcare industry in a big way. So as time passed, the vision grew and that's when Risely was formed. Yeah. I love that though. And I think that's great. And I love seeing a woman, you know, with that kind of entrepreneurial spirit, put themselves out there and, you know, create a space for something that, like I said, I think a lot of times when you have your own need, that's when really great things are, are born. So thank great you work. so much. Yeah. Paul. I appreciate that. Um, I would love, I'll make sure that everything is in the, the show notes, you know, as far as being able to follow you, hit, get it to your website, your podcast and all that. But is there, do you want to kind of give your name and your Risely Instagram handle or TikTok or wherever it is you normally, you know, are, are yes. showing up the most on social media, I guess. There's so many options these days. Of course. I know. So I would say if you're listening, come to my personal page. It's Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N underscore Bongiorno, B-O-N-G-I-O-R-N-O. Send me a DM. Let me know that you came from the Wealthy Healthy Life uh, podcast. And then Risely Health is R-I-S-E-L-Y health um, on Instagram as well. I'm also on TikTok, but I was a little late to the game. So we're still growing um, our presence there. I, I post way more on, on Instagram. Yeah. The same here. I'm like, I like <laughs> TikTok, but I just, yeah, I'm not, I like it as a consumer. I'm not so great at like putting stuff out um, on TikTok myself, but I do, you know, we'll get there. I'm sure. Um, well, anything that I didn't, you know, ask or we didn't cover that you're like, oh, I wanted to, you know, make sure I got this out. I, I feel like we've covered a lot, but there's, I'm sure so many more things that we could have. Um, so I just want to give you the opportunity to make sure I didn't miss anything. No, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. I know um, for everyone listening, I'm sure, you know, if you know somebody who has diabetes type one or type two and um, just share this with them if you do and they're in your circle and thank you for, for taking the time and I can't wait to listen to it back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Lauren. I appreciate your time and I love what you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And if you did, please hit subscribe. Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram, asking any questions, leave a comment, and even share this episode with a friend who you think might like it as well. Until next time, guys, have a great day.